This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. And uh, I'm going to take these final minutes and talk to you in the same vein, in the same series that Pastor Frank has been on for the past two weeks. We're in a series called Follower, and I'd just like you to say that word follower with me. Follower. CBC has a mission statement. It's simple, but yet it's profound. Very simple in its terminology. Profound and not necessarily difficult, but it does bring us to a point of decision. The need for a decision that's not just a one-time decision, actually a lifetime decision. And that decision is whether or not I will follow. It takes followers to live like Jesus, And if we'll live like Jesus, we will automatically share his love. I want to say our mission statement together, City Bible Church, live like Jesus, share his love. Let's say that together. Live like Jesus, share his love. Today we're talking about being a follower, but the subtitle of the message is actually we are what we follow. We are what we follow. In order to live like Jesus, we've got to follow Jesus. Profound truth, Pastor Darrell. I'm shocked by what you just said. Nobody's going to be shocked by what I just said, but what might shock us is what's required to become that follower of Jesus. You know, we preach this such great salvation that we have and the mercy and the grace of God, and yes, it is fantastic. It's simple. It's actually quite simple to get saved. We've got to come to God, hear the message, respond to his bidding in our life. But he doesn't just say, I want you to Come and be forgiven of all your sins. That's the first step. That's the entrance point into the family of God, into the kingdom of God. We are actually born into a new dimension of rulership. It's called the kingdom. And Pastor Andrew already mentioned that this morning. It's an invisible kingdom. The Bible says it's at hand. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. But it's all around you. And it's a a dimension to be reached into. What we just did is actually kingdom work. We prayed, and we didn't pray a prayer of what I wanted. We prayed a prayer of what his intentions are, which is to cover the earth with his glory. And so as we reach into the dimension of the kingdom of God, the Bible actually tells us Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Go ahead and pray. Let your rule, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Well, there's some things I know about heaven. Heaven is not riddled with sickness. Heaven is not riddled with depression. Heaven is not riddled with lack and limitation and fragmentation and chaos. Heaven is a beautiful, ordered, fantastic place that the presence of God is powerful. And as I begin to think that direction, I begin to think according to kingdom thought. So here we are. We're becoming learners. We're becoming followers. We're becoming people who surrender our life to the King of Kings, and we want to follow his ways and his thoughts and align our, our, our ideas around his ideas. And so Pastor Frank's been talking about the different kinds of followers, and he's going to continue. But I want to take us on a little journey today talking about we are what we follow. And if you'll just go to the next slide, I want to redefine followers so we capture again what kind of position we have to take in relationship to Christ. A follower is a person who knows loves and serves Jesus as the supreme passion in life. 
We love, we know, we follow his supreme passion. Everything else comes second. That would mean all of our ideas. That would mean all of our decisions. That would mean all of our agendas. That would mean all of our scheduling. It actually is surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. And if we take this a step further, we actually come to the large concept of what I want to share today, which is actually that we are what we follow. We are what we follow. Would you say that with me? We are what we follow. You can turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 to 22, and there's some thoughts I want to give you out of this in the moments that we have left, and um, I want to kind of tie up this idea and show us how we are and we become what we follow. Matthew 4, verse 17 says this. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Didn't I just say that we just did kingdom activity. The kingdom is at hand. It's available to you. You've got to reach out and touch it. You've got to pull it into your reality. You've got to bring it into uh, your world. It's something that exists whether you recognize it or not. We simply need to step into it and press into it. The Bible actually says we press in even by force sometimes because there's forces that are opposing our entrance and our experience in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus messed was not simply come to me and have your sins forgiven. It was actually to repent for there's a new realm of rulership that's now active in the earth and you've got to step into it. The word repent, I want to define to you. The word repent many times is taught as a 180 degree turn. I'm walking one direction, but when I repent, I turn the opposite direction and begin to walk that way. Uniquely enough, that is one part of the definition, but it's not the whole definition. The whole definition would actually also embody a, ch a complete change of the way we think. So it's not just a difference of direction. Jesus is actually after your beliefs, your thoughts, and all of your actions that come out of those beliefs and thoughts. It wouldn't be just enough to ask you to conform. I don't want you to smoke, I don't want you to drink, I don't want you to chew, and I don't want you to go with girls who do. <laughs> Let's just put some, a list of don'ts together and tell you what not to do. He didn't, he didn't do that. In fact, all of the don'ts in the Old Testament were simply there to point us to our need for a savior because you could never do or don't do everything that's listed in the law. So the law is there to provoke sin and the law is there to point you to your need for a savior. And so we come to the savior and he said, you're never gonna be able to do everything I ask you to do. So what I want you to do is come to me as you are. Let me change your entire belief structure and as I change your belief structure, it will begin to show up in your life. You will live like Jesus and you will share his love. But let me start with your mind. Let me start with your spirit. Let me start with who you are on the inside. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We don't really understand kingdom in America. We don't because we're democratic. And so if we like somebody, we vote them into position. And when we don't like them, we vote them out of position. And that is so in our members and it's so in our life that we actually forget nobody voted Jesus into office. His father chose him and he agreed 
And he came willingly. He paid the price. And when he paid the price, Jesus actually ascended to the right hand of the Father and all authority, power, privilege, and provision was given to Jesus. He just is king, whether you want to recognize it or not. And because he is king, he's actually Lord over all. This kingdom exists. Jesus is in charge. He led captivity captive, the Bible says, and then he gave gifts to men. The gifts that he gave to men are leadership in the church to equip, to encourage, to reach, to enlarge, to strategize, so that we can actually raise up an army under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So a pastor's job, an apostle's job, a prophet's job, a teacher's job is simply to help raise up a mighty army following the King of kings and the Lord of lords. All of our work is kingdom work. All of our prayer is kingdom prayer. Your work as a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, whatever it is, your work is a kingdom work. We are representatives of the rule of King Jesus if we're truly following him. We have a mindset. We have a focus. We have an agenda. And so we move in that agenda. The Bible says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then this amazing story goes on. I'm just flabbergasted by it. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. They were casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That phrase, follow me. Now, I, I like to have people talk back because it makes me feel like I'm doing a good job, all right? So I'm gonna just say, uh, just, just say that last statement with me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus said, repent, meaning I'm gonna completely alter your brain. The whole way you think, who you are on the inside, I'm gonna alter it. It's gonna show up in your life because you're gonna begin to live a kingdom life. That is his message. Then he goes to people and he says, this is how this is going to work. Follow me. Make me the supreme passion in your life, everything else being second, and I will make you. That phrase, maybe you've read it a hundred times and said, ah, that's good. Jesus took those crazy disciples and he did something with them. Well, you know, you and I are one of those crazy disciples. The definition of that phrase, I will make you, means I will manufacture. Actually, it means I will remanufacture you. When we're talking about being followers, we're, talk, we're talking about a complete life overhaul. I will remanufacture. The definition also is I will construct and I will cause you to do. I will reconstruct your life. You used to simply be a fisherman, but now I'm going to add a kingdom dimension to it. You simply used to follow your father, but now you're going to follow me. And in following me, I'm going to take your skill, your capacity, your abilities, and I'm going to take them to a whole new level. You're going to live with eternal focus in mind, and I want you to follow me, and we will go on this journey. Following is a kingdom message. It's a kingdom message, and you and I actually in our lives follow things all the time. And the importance of following is so critical because if you follow the right thing, you'll end up with the right result. If you follow the wrong thing, you'll end up with the wrong result. I live in the Centralia Chehalis area. I pastored there as a church plant from City Bible Church for 15 years. 
One of the things that's grieved my heart in pastoring is watch people, watching people recover who for a season of their life followed things that were destructive. Followed alcohol, perhaps. Their lives were just torn apart. Or perhaps followed doctrine. Churches and leaders that actually led them down a path that actually brought destruction in their life rather than life and vitality and freedom in the kingdom of God. It takes years sometimes to unpack and reconstruct what other people have done by leading people the wrong direction. True shepherds grab hold of people and they say, follow me as I follow Christ. People who simply want a following will, will share any kind of idea imaginable just to garner a following out of fear. They'll, they'll, they'll pull them to themselves and lead them down a, a path it's not for their benefit, it's for the leader's benefit. What you actually find with Jesus is he has your best in mind. He doesn't say follow me because he's on some kind of a glory trip and he just needs a few followers to tell him how good he is. He already knows how good he is. He just wants to share some of that goodness with you. He wants to take who you are, the thing that's a little out of whack, the things that are out of order, and he just wants to show himself strong in your life. The book of Ephesians says there's going to come a day where he's going to take all of his trophies, all of the people that he's been working in and have been following him, and he's going to put them on the mantle as a trophy of his grace. And it's actually going to be a declaration to all the principalities and powers and kingdoms that have actually tried to come against his kingdom, and he's going to show them his manifold wisdom by what? Restoring your life and strengthening who you are as a person. People follow all kinds of people. There's a story I saw the other day, and I found it quite interesting John Mellencamp is an American rock singer, songwriter, musician, painter. He's an occasional actor. He's actually well-known by a lot of people who just kind of follow his music, and they, they've got an interest in just who he is as an artist. And he came to Indiana University one day to speak at a graduation ceremony. Someone on the faculty had thought it would be a good, intriguing change. You know, hey, let's have a rock star come and speak at commencement this year rather than just the university prof or just the business guy who was successful. Let's bring a guy in to just speak who maybe is out of a completely different stream. And so they had their commencement exercises ready to go, and it was a hot day. It was actually at Memorial Stadium, and thousands of people, the sun beat down on the graduates, and all of the professors and Dignitaries were in their long black robes looking so professional sitting on the platform and all the graduates prepared to receive their degrees. Parents and family from all over the nation gathered together to watch the students that some of them had paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to put their child through college, believing that they would come out with a degree and begin to walk a journey of being a success in life. Isn't that the joy? of every parent to see their children walking in truth and following a good path and accomplishing great things in God. John Mellencamp showed up and he had the same long robe on, but he unzipped his right before he went to the platform. As he went to the platform, he kind of let his robe hang back and he was just wearing blue jeans and a white shirt. Kind of similar to me, I guess. And as he approached the platform, he was chewing gum, smacking 
And as he got to the platform, he leaned on the podium and he spit his gum out over the podium and it landed on the grass in front of him. The account of the story is that all the parents in the room gasped. There was like a a suction of air out of the place and everybody knew this is not good. (laughs) John opened his mouth after spitting his gum out and he said, let me just tell you a few things about what's happening here today. You're going to be handed a piece of paper and it means nothing. It means nothing. There's no guarantees to what you've just done. In fact, let me just tell you, your parents and your family, they're all here to appreciate and celebrate with you, but they're going to immediately begin to put pressure on you to get a job and try to make something out of yourself. And they're going to be asking you what you're going to do with your degree. And I want to tell you, don't listen to any of it. I don't know whose idea it was to have him here, but I bet they got a talking to in the back room. (laughs) He began to unpack his idea of how the world works and how people should really live, and it was directly contrary to what every parent in the room was thinking about their child who was getting their diploma on that day. The reason why there was a gasp in the room and the reason why parents get so uptight when somebody starts to speak to their babies about their future is they know one bad idea. One bad idea grabbed hold of can potentially shape the destiny and the future of their child. Why do you think it's so important to be in the house of the Lord? Having your kids being raised up in classes with teachers who you know are teaching and instructing in the word of God? Why do we think it's important to come together on a regular basis to be taught and instructed and educated and stirred and even challenged at different times to become a follower of Christ? Because we will follow something. We've got to make sure we're following the right thing. John Mellencamp, his attempt was to gather a following on that day. Now, he wouldn't have called it the church of John Mellencamp, but if people begin to adopt his idea, they will begin to believe the idea. If they believe the idea, it will affect their thoughts. If they take their thoughts down the road of action, it will ultimately determine their destiny, and they will become what they followed. In the Matthew account that we read just a little bit ago, just coming down to the end of what I'm going to share today, in the Matthew account, Peter and Andrew, James and John, were following their father. I grew up in a little town just outside of Longview, Washington called Kathlamet. Most of you don't know where that is. It's a good place to be from. (laughs) I loved growing up there, logging town, fishing towns, very small community. My dad was a logger. And I remember as my dad would go out and work on his car, go to the woods or paint the house, I wanted to follow him and I wanted to be like him. I wanted to do what he did. But there came a point in my life where the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about my destiny, my future. And one of the things that I value about my dad is my dad said, Daryl, I can't lead you down the path of going into full-time ministry, but I will make sure to get people that you can follow in your path. And as you follow them, if they're following Christ, you will arrive at your destiny. And as a parent, he took on the responsibility of making sure I had people to follow. So when I moved to Portland to come to Portland Bible College, guess who was helping me move my stuff into my dorm? 
Guess who was helping write the check? Dad wanted to make sure I was following the will of God and the purpose of God. Here you've got a man named Zebedee standing in a boat and a rogue teacher shows up and it wasn't John Mellencamp, it was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he said, Zebedee, I want your sons to follow me. And in that moment, he released them to go follow this man, Jesus. And as these boys begin to follow Jesus, he took them from their own mindset and their own limited perspective, growing up on the Sea of Galilee, just as simple fishermen, and he began to teach them about a kingdom that they could not see, could not touch, could not feel, but it was all around them. And as Jesus began to change the way they thought, they entered into a whole new dimension of living. Followers have their beliefs shaped and as their beliefs are shaped, their, their thoughts begin to flow out of their beliefs. And their actions flow out of their thoughts. And their destiny flows out of their actions. Three simple things. Just run to the three-point chart. And uh, I'm going to put this up on the screen. We become what we follow. Number one, what I believe determines how I think. Would you say that with me? What I believe determines how I think. There would be a point right before this that I would just encourage you to take down in your notes and that would simply be this, who I follow determines what I believe. John Mellencamp, putting ideas in your mind. I have three children. I have a daughter named Mariah. She's 13 years old. Two, two and a half years old. She'd get up in the morning, every morning, and her whole desire when she got up in the morning was to watch a PBS program called Sit and Be Fit. How many have ever seen that show, Sit and Be Fit? Do I have anybody in the room? It's embarrassing that I even know what that show is, but it is. It's a show for people who are in wheelchairs or, or um, just maybe are immobile, maybe they're seniors, and there's a lady and she does all kinds of exercises that you can do just simply as you're sitting in your chair. My daughter liked the colors, the music, the sound, the tone of her voice, and as a little two-year-old girl, she'd sit in a little rocking chair with her stuffed animal and her breakfast every morning, and she would rock in her chair and say, sit and be fit, sit and be fit. <laughs> Here's the point. She organized her schedule around sit and be fit. She knew the language, the songs, the exercises, and she lived it out and acted it out because she was a follower of sit and be fit. Now that's a good example right there. She changed her schedule. She got up in the morning with a sense of expectation. Her whole life revolved around it. We had to work it out of her, man. I'm like, honey, you're 13. Stop watching, sit and be fit. <laughs> Not quite. Who we follow, we begin to believe. And when we believe it, it determines how I think. And beliefs are different than thinking, trust me. Because for a day, you can believe something or you can think something different than you believe. This morning, Pastor Andrew read a scripture on the screen about coming to the end of our rope. It's one thing to say and to think, yeah, that's really good. It's another thing to believe it when you're at the end of your rope. It's when you're at the end of your rope that the real belief comes out. What we believe is different than what we think. 
The second point is simply this, that how I think affects the way that I live. Are my thoughts kingdom thoughts? Are my beliefs kingdom beliefs? Am I living a kingdom life? The third point is simply this, the way I live ultimately shapes who I become. My actions over a long period of time will eventually shape my destiny, shape my future, shape my life. So what I need to do is not only get my actions in line, but go back and challenge my thoughts. Not only challenge my thoughts, go back and actually dig up truly held beliefs and go back to the beginning of my relationship with the Lord Jesus and say, I need to be a repentant person. I've got to come into the kingdom of God like a little child and recognize I don't understand it all. I don't see it all. I don't even believe it all properly. So Lord, would you reconstruct the very core of my belief system? And out of my beliefs, Lord, I want to have right thoughts. And out of my right thoughts, Lord, I want to live a right life. Live like Jesus. Share his love. Simple statement, but profound. Let's go all the way back to who we're listening to. Who's shaping our thoughts? Who's challenging your beliefs? Who's inspiring you in the way that you think? Just put up the next slide, Galatians 3.1. I want to read this as the worship team is coming. Paul's a spiritual father to the Galatian church, and this is what he says, O foolish Galatians, who's cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. What is he saying? He's saying there's something that's kind of shaken your belief system. And he said it's almost like an evil spell. Who, who's been shaping you? Who's been forming you? Who's been speaking into your world? And why have you adopted those thoughts? to bring us to a place of personal evaluation. It's really what Pastor Frank's been doing the last couple of weeks, is bringing us down to a place of personal evaluation where we say, who is shaping our thinking? Who's shaping our thinking? To be a follower means to come to the Lord Jesus and say, shape the way that I think. Shape my beliefs. When I'm fearful about the economy, Lord, would you shape my beliefs? I, I want you to be the primary voice into my life. When I'm thinking about throwing in the towel and maybe even just ending my life, Lord, I, I want to come back and I want to challenge those beliefs. God, I got to follow you. I've got to follow you. I've got to follow you.